tuned into Medivas Radio, broadcasting live from Nelson Mandela University. I have fought against white domination, and I have fought against black domination. I have studied the idea of a democratic and free society. In which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunity. It is an idea which I hope to live for and to achieve. But if needs be, it is an idea for which. Nelson Mandela University, change the world. You're tuned into Madiba's Radio, changing the world one voice at a time. We are back on the bench warmer. It is episode 12 on Madiba's radio, the best youth station in the Bay. I'm your host, Gorgs. So today we have three special guests, uh, which features a professional tennis player um, and an executive member coming from Netball SA as we discuss the start of the Netball League and lastly, ending the show with Kutle or Cookie as he's known uh, for entertaining crowds on social media. Um, so do stay tuned after the short break for our first interview with the teen Tennis sensation, Colo Monti. You know, there are times where before you say something, you gotta think hard and deep because there's a greater possibility, it's a reflection of either the psyche, the mentality, the character in the person, or it reflects a bit of background. And for fear of exposing where you come from, you think twice and consider perspective. In your face. In the, in the olden days when Jesus Christ went on through his lessons, he was never specific in his references. He would always use symbols. Because whenever a symbol is used in a process where something has to be rectified, none of us gets consumed. If I were to refer to somebody who would I would put it like that because I am. But if I were not, then I would put it in a way that has respect in what I'm referring to. I hope you understand. I don't. We are back. Uh, from the break, I'm your host, Gorgs, on the bench warmer. Uh, on, to, on to the first segment of today's show, we have a special guest, um, a special young talent. He is a South African professional tennis player and he's only 17 years old. His name is Kolo Monty. Uh, Kolo, welcome to the best youth station in the Bay. Morning, Nathan. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. 100%. Um, Kolo, before we start, do you prefer to be called by a government name, or Kolo Luam or Kolo? Which one do you prefer? 
Um, I'm easy with both, but uh, most people just call me Kolo, so uh, Kolo is good. All right. Uh, Kolo, uh, can you tell us more about yourself? Uh, where are you from? Uh, what school you go to? Uh, any, and uh, anything um, interesting about yourself? <coughs> um, I was born down in the Eastern Cape, uh, in East London, uh, in King Williamstown. Okay. Uh, went to school at Selwyn Primary. Uh, I have one older brother, Sipos Town, the Monty. Uh, everyone just calls him Sips or Sipos. Um, lived with my parents um, and just a nice, fun family. We all love sport. Uh, we're all a very sporty family. And um, my brother and myself actually love love music as well. So I'm, I'm big into music. Yeah. Um, I just like to enjoy things. I love playing sports. Uh, I've always pictured myself doing sports, no matter what it is, rugby, cricket, soccer. Uh, but I've always been a sporty kid. And um, yeah. Um, do, do, you, do you go to high school? You're 17 years old. I mean, you didn't mention high school. But, Yes, uh, I'm doing online homeschooling. Uh, okay. It's called Laurel Springs. Uh, it's an American system. Okay. So I've been doing uh, online homeschooling since uh, grade eight, and I'll be finishing off uh, very soon. So super happy about that. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think it's been perfect for me mm. doing the online schooling because with the tennis, it's very tough. Yeah. It was tough for me to go to school for about six hours and then also have tennis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I am in school, in high school, and finishing off uh, very soon. Yeah, we'll touch more on, on how you do it uh, with the traveling and obviously with the tennis and with school later um, in the show. But first, I just want to ask, ask um, where did the love of tennis uh, start for you? Um, I think it's, it's sports and I just copied him. Um, I think the only things that I did different was karate and squash. And karate for me at that time was my main one. And my brother started playing tennis uh, at, at school uh, because for border they needed a black player. And one of, the, one, of the, one of his friend's mothers said, hey, look, I know a kid that could play because he's good at sport. And yeah. he jumped in and he, was doing, he started doing good from the moment go. And um, I think uh, a year later, he, he was in the South African team. Um, so I was like, whoa, I want to be in the slam. And yeah. you know, the more he played and the better he did, the more I got inspired to pick, up the ra- to pick up a racket and stop playing and getting better and better. So, you know, he was my favorite tennis player to watch and I just wanted to be like him. And that's when it started for me. Uh, uh, sorry to ask, but um, obviously you you're still quite young. So when did you turn pro? Um, when did you get your pro card um, to compete um, against other professionals around the world? Well, it's 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 a it's a complicated, but it's a bit of. Um, you can start competing in pro tournaments from the age of uh, 14 and okay. I played my first pro event at the age of 14. I made my first professional ranking at 14, being the second youngest in the world to ever do that um, at, at that time. And and then I carried on playing some junior tournaments because I, I, I wasn't ready, of course. 
Um, but you can pretty much start from 14. But for me, I was focused on my junior career because you know doing well in the junior circuit can set you up into mm. that transitioning of the into the pro circuit. And um, nothing. I would say only this year would be this year was the year where I would start my pro career. You know, officially with more pro tournaments and only junior slams. But COVID had other plans for me. But mm. Um, I think going into next year is when I'll be playing more on the pro circuit and just fighting and trying to do my best out there. Yeah, so you, you obviously recently participated in the Junior French Open at Roland Garros in Paris. Uh, you came back yesterday, uh, is that correct, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, but before we get to that that specific tournament in, in Paris, uh, you last participated in, in the Poch uh, ATP Champs in March. That's roughly six and a half months uh, break in between. Uh, that's quite a long time. I mean, I know what happens to athletes who have a long break. They get uh, chubby and sluggish. Um, but what did you? What did your camp do in that period? Um, obviously, with uncertainty of not knowing uh, when tennis would resume due to COVID, uh, how how tough was it um, in, with, in, that, in that period of time for you? Um, I wouldn't say it was too tough. I think mentally I was in a good space. Uh, I wanted to be at home. I don't want to be around for this long though without a tournament. But I think once you know lockdown was announced, I wasn't too bummed. Um, so I was, I was happy to be at home. And then I could focus on school as well. So that's what I did. Um, then it just got longer and longer. Then eventually I'm starting to be like, whoa, this is quite long. And tournaments are getting cancelled. And we'll cancelled and US Open. So it, it was a bit sad knowing that this is my last year and I wasn't able to put in control. So during the lockdown, I was just in my room or outside and doing exercises and keeping fit, trying to eat good, trying to pick up good habits now because it would be better. And when things are back on the road, um, I could have those habits again, you know. <clears throat> so um, I can't com I can't complain big time about the about the lockdown, you know. And once things were open, like the gyms, I go back into the gym at the Burgundy High Performance Center in in uh, with my fitness trainer Murray uh, Murray Ingram and the, and the team that side, and we just started working. You know, it's the physical side for me is important, and that's what I wanted to work on. So every day, Monday to Friday, I was in the gym working hard. Um, yes. Couldn't get on court as much, but I just used every opportunity in the gym that I could. And once we got back on court, um, you know, started training on the hard courts, and our French Open could be happening. Yeah. So once we heard that, we said, okay, let's try to get onto some clay courts. And we've got a synthetic clay court, meaning it's a it's a fake clay court, you yeah. know, say. And um, we started working and we just did it all that we could, you know. Unfortunately, we don't have any real clay courts in South Africa. Mm. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It's nothing that I can change. So I just had to use what I had and we, we prepared very, very well, I think. Uh, so lockdown, I think lockdown was good for me. It was an advantage uh, because I could really work on my physical side. Yeah, now, obviously, as you mentioned, you were participating in French Open Paris. Was it your first time overseas, or are you uh, jet set like all other other pro pro athletes? Around the world since I was abroad, so it wasn't the first time overseas. I've been to every continent. 
uh, too many countries to name. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's fun traveling. I love traveling, and being in Paris it was the second time in Paris. Um, it was it was amazing. Um, I mean, unfortunately, we had to be in a bubble. Yeah. And COVID makes things so much harder. Um, but you know, it's just good to just compete again because it's something that we've all been waiting for for so long. Mm. So, how was the experience of participating in the French Open uh, Juniors for you? It was uh, it was it was a dream come true. It's my favorite tournament um, on in tennis. I'm a big Nadal fan, so I love the French Open. I love clay courts and. Just being there, first of all, was big, and playing there was just better. And to get my to get my first win at the French Open was amazing. You know, I I I remember telling myself before the match, I was telling my my trainer Murray, I said when I when I win the match, my first round, I'm just gonna give a small come on, and I won the match six two six two, and I just shouted like come on, because it it actually meant so much to me yeah. to be able to play there and to to get a win there. Uh, it, it meant so much to me, and I'm super blessed and fortunate to be there. You know, I worked super hard to get there, so I think the experience was amazing. Just to be around the stadium, to walk there, and I think sometimes when you're in the moment, you don't really realize, but afterwards you're like, wow, you know, I was there, I was playing there, I won there. So it was a good experience. Um, a bit tricky and difficult because of COVID. Um, things were very hard, the hotel, the food, and everything, but. You know, you just have to adapt and move forward. Uh, you know, my 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 mission there was to win. Mm. It didn't happen, unfortunately. But you know, I just focused on the court. I didn't worry about all the things happening off court and the things that I couldn't control. Yeah. Now I was obviously in contact with your manager, Utilden uh, Bungani. He we went, actually went to the same school. Funny enough, uh, how important is the personal support uh, for you for you, especially as a youngster? Competing in a sport like tennis, um, obviously you mentioned the likes of of Murray Ingram and obviously Tilda and obviously your family. Well, how important is that personal support? Well, it's massive. It's massive. I think in the saying, there's no I in team. You know, I, I always heard it. I always heard it, but now I I feel it. I definitely feel it. And I, I like to use the word we because there's really no I in team and. And um, it's it's really important having Murray um, at a, at French Open is very important for me. Very because first of all, my body if it breaks down, mm. he's the one person that can fix it just like this. And not not because he's a trainer, but just as a person as well. Um, having someone like him, it's just amazing. You know, he he also helps me mentally. You know, normally I would complain about maybe let's say for example the elevator is taking too long. For for example. I, he will, you know, tell me like, don't think about it, focus on this or something like that, you know. Mm. Um, so it's important having that support, um, you know, teaching me how to fight. And you know, even though there weren't uh, many people allowed at the stadium, but you know, in spirit, I could I, I could visualize all the people from back home supporting me. Mm. You know, I could visual visualize them sitting in the stands and you know, having my family, having children, having Murray and the guys at the Burgundy Air Performance Center. It's it's amazing, you know, because they also inspire me to to do better. They motivate me. They give me the confidence, you know. They make me believe in myself. So it's I, I think it's very important having that uh, that support and, and individual uh, support. Yeah. So I just want to ask quickly, how do you juggle the traveling um, the traveling part? Obviously, playing tennis. 
and with school um obviously you mentioned it briefly um um in the beginning of the, of of this part of the show because back in my days school attendance was was the dis- determining factor if you passed or failed how does your team manage um school and playing tennis so with the school schoolwork um my parents helped me my brother and my parents helped me um make sure that everything's in check while i'm working um and then when i'm on the road it's it's tough you know doing both because at the same time you want to focus on the tournament only but at the same time you also have to focus on school and let's say you're playing quarter finals and you know you're tired you want to sleep and but you also have to do school so i think it's it's just finding that balance uh, time management is super important and still something i'm working on um but it, i think it, it all just comes down to time management and having people that are, are having people around you that can help you and support you do both um but i think after doing it after a couple of years um i've managed to to find a way around it and to do both so it's 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 hard but you know there's still a way to do it now now in tennis i believe there are three types of surfaces i did a bit of research eh? so do bear with me i do play a bit of tennis uh hard court so obviously there's hard court clay and grass surface am i right okay so so what what's what's the differences uh what differences are there in in all three surfaces um the hard courts is a um a hard surface almost like the road i guess not exactly like the road but similar uh it's hard fast courts you can get some slow ones but most of them will be fast um clay courts would be slower um tougher um because of the sliding and on on the body it's just physically tougher and um grass is uh, pretty cool never had the chance to play on grass but just from watching and hearing from people grass is pretty much playing on on normal grass you know um but uh, i think for me clay would definitely be my number one because it's slower mm. and it gives me more time to you know be free and hit the drop shots uh ball doesn't some courts ball won't bounce as high um so it is it's fun you know it's also tough i think that's the reason why i like it but um hardcore is probably the one is that I, that i do best on Yeah so so um you mentioned that clay was your, your favorite court um obviously uh, Rafa Nadal is is king of of the clay is he perhaps your role model Yes definitely okay. definitely um he's the reason why I like uh, I like clay courts in the first place and french open specifically so uh I I, I love the clay court Now if you had to meet Rafa Nadal I don't know if you have but if you had to meet Rafa Nadal for the first time face to face what would you say to him Um I actually met him in 2019. Okay. Uh so nice. in 2020 again this year um at the Cape so, yeah. Stadium. Cape Stadium. No, no, this was in uh, in Australia at the uh, at the Oz Open. And um and he was training at the indoor courts in Australia in Melbourne at the Oz Open and I went to the back to the locker room to put down my bag and As I'm walking and walking and my locker room's on the left I look to the right and I look away and I'm like and there's Nadal sitting there with Carlos mm-hmm. Moya and his manager and I put my bag down and I'm like okay I have to go say something you know mm-hmm. so I just walk up to him and I just say, hey Rafa and I shake his hand and he says hey man and I said good luck for your match and he says thanks you too and I walked away you know just something quick but 
something that you know I just can't forget. Um, yeah. So that was that was something special. But I don't think I'm the type to to go up to the guys and be asking for pictures and autographs. Mm. Uh, I, I, I just don't do that. You know, I, I I always believe that there's no need to be there's no need to be taking the pictures and autographs because I've I always tell myself that one day I'll be playing with them. Um, I think that's also another type of motivation that I have. Uh, but you know, it's it's just amazing being around those guys and just seeing them, seeing what they do. No, that's that's uh, nasty actually. Um, now I just want to ask, what's next for you? Um, you going to are you going to carry on um, studying and playing or just go fully pro? Because obviously you're finishing off this year, I think, with school. The tournaments. Uh, we'll see how the start goes. Uh, hopefully it's gonna go good. But uh, um, I mean, with COVID, you don't know what's happening with tournaments. It's very difficult to tell what's going to happen. There's no uh, solid schedule. Uh, but we, my team and I, are really looking forward to starting on the pro circuit. And we just, uh, we're just going to work hard for that and you know, finish school as soon as possible and play some tennis. And I'm praying that we can do well. You know, I'm really, I'm really excited to start the pro circuit. Yeah. So. Um... For all up-and-coming tennis players, aspiring to uh, aspiring uh, tennis players looking to make it pro, uh, what would you say to them? Um, just as just for motivational purposes, what would you say to them? Uh, definitely, I would say believe in yourself. Um, you know, there's not a lot of people that will believe in you. I I I personally feel like you know the only people that really really believe in you will be your family and your team. Uh, you know, make sure you surround yourself with good people. Mm. Um, you know, have healthy relationships with your team, and always believe in yourself and focus on the things that you can control. Uh, don't worry about things that you can't control. Don't worry about people that you can't change. But um, I think the number one word for me that I would tell a kid or an, an adult or anyone uh, would be believe in yourself. Mm. Actually, some profound words for a seventeen-year-old. Um, it's, it's pretty good to, to see, actually. Um, <laughs> now, lastly, do you perhaps have a message of gratitude to all your supporters and uh, family members out there? Uh, I, I just want to say thanks to everyone that has supported me, not just for the French Open, but for since I started. Uh, I wish there was another way I could say thank you, and if there, if there is another way, I'd love to do it. But, uh, you know, just seeing all the support and everyone behind me is just it's it's special uh, it motivates me so much it gives me confidence and if there's any way i can pay it back to the people i'd love to do it so uh thanks to everyone that has uh, been there for me and that is with me now no that's that's excellent to you um all right uh, thanks for joining us on the 12th episode of the bench warmer uh, we wish you all the best in the future uh, with the tennis and carry on representing the country uh, with high distinction and continue making your family proud. Well done, bud. Thanks so much, Nathan. Appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, that was Kololwame Monsi, tennis teen sensation who is ranked 13th in the ITF rankings. Remember the name, I surely will. Anyway, after the short break, we'll be bringing you another interview as more sporting codes have resumed their participation in sports. To find out more, do stay tuned after the break on Madiba's radio. Cannot lie, I don't feel like me today. You might be okay in the summertime. Cannot lie, I don't feel like me today. 
You might be okay in the summertime. I'm hoping the sunshine will open. Oh, my blessing, don't go away. I'm hoping the sunshine will open. Oh, my blessing, don't go away. I'm hoping the sunshine will open. Oh, my blessing, don't go away. We are back uh, from the break. I'm your host, Gorgs, on the bench room. We're joined by Nusi Gazi from Netball SA. Nusi, uh, welcome to Madiba's Radio. Nathan, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. 
100%. Um, can you tell us more about yourself, uh, where you come from, and what you do at the Netball SA? Um, so my name is Nusi Gavis, as you alluded. Um, born and bred in Rustenburg in the northwest province. Um, so I currently work at Netball South Africa as head of communications and, and media. Right. So that's in a nutshell what I do at NSA. Okay. Let's get straight to it. Uh, Netball SA will be kicking off the Telcom Netball League uh, next week, Wednesday, in Bloemfontein. Um, how long mm. did how long did it take to prepare for the event uh, after the uncert- uncertainty of not knowing when sports would uh, begin uh, again due to due to uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic? Yeah, so I think um, I mean we were supposed to initially have the the Telcom Netball League starting in in May, uh, then obviously COVID happened or the lockdown happened in, in March, so so we we then started planning um, as early as March, you know for. For return to play but yeah. even at the time we didn't even know how the tentacular would look like so because no one knew if we if we ever gonna go back because if you remember it was supposed to be three weeks and then three weeks became a month a month became two months yes two months became six months right so so we then started saying let us plan for the unknown so let's plan for we're gonna go back to play we don't know when we will get them we'll then get to play and then then we then started seeing what was happening in, in other markets uh, in australia in, in, in new zealand we started seeing people, you know, preparing to return to, to return to work. So we then engaged with them uh, in terms of mm. how are they then getting ready to to start playing netball because yeah. we've got a the bulk of our players in South Africa who are playing in, in Australia. So mm. then they had to go back and, and and play. So we then you know had to to look at how they're doing things and and, and what needed to be done. Uh, and, and we kind of followed that. Obviously, you know, rules of engagement are slightly different. Uh, so I think it, it I would say it took us about four months. Um, to to be where we are today, uh, because if you remember, then I think at level four, the the Department of Sport asked Kasha and said we'll then get start getting back to work yes. or getting back to to play under a bubble. So then the PSO became the 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 example that all of us in sport needed to follow because mm. they they were the ones to to, to go in first. Mm. So we then said let's let's see how they're doing things and let's see how what we can learn from them. Um, how then do we rectify their mistakes? How then do we leverage on, on what they did right? So I think I, I would say it, it took us a, a good, probably four months um, to be where we are today. Yeah, so so as you said, um, they, you guys uh, were given a, a, a go-ahead by the sports minister um, from mm-hmm. level four onwards. How, why did it take so long? I mean, four months. Um, I mean, Australia, um, New Zealand, just to name a few countries, obviously started the, the season um, uh, mm-hmm. quite a while ago already. But why do you think yeah. it took so long for for um, netball SA, um, one of the sporting codes in South Africa, take so long for 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 um, for player to happen? Yeah, look, I think so. If you remember correctly, so the the, the Department of Sports Arts and Culture gave football the green light yes. um, at level three, level four, I think, or le- level three, and then we only got approved at level two, you know, to, okay. to start resume training because because we were a contact sport, so we we couldn't resume at level three or level four we needed to resume at level two so we only got the green light to really start playing and training in on the 18th of or on the 16th of september um so so but we had been doing the the work in the background even prior to to us getting the green light because we had made submissions to to the department i think as early as july to say we would we would love to get back to training uh, you must guide us in terms of when can we get the training because you know non-contact sport could go back earlier that's why you had golf and cricket 
I mean, yeah, that's why you had golf and cricket studying earlier than than, than, than the rest of us. Yes. And then netball, netball and rugby only started recent because okay. it's seen as a contact sport. So, so we only got the green light from from government right on the on the 16th of, of September. But even then, we then we then still said we need to be uh, careful and cautious of, of how we do it, right? So because we don't want to say let's go and then then we have you know an entire team you know contacting the virus, then then we're back to square one. So we then decided. Let us let us take all the necessary precautions to ensure that when we eventually resume uh, training and playing, then then we've done things the right way. That's why the president then said, we will then start training at national level, and then we we'll then go to provinces, and then the, the district will come at a later stage. Yes. So so that's why the TNL is the first official tournament for the year in South Africa for, for netball. You know because it, it's at a provincial level. So so we then starting now. We're starting here. And we'll then see how it goes, and then once we perfect the model, we will then take it down to 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 the district in the region. Yeah. So, did you get the blueprint uh, from the Australians uh, league um, for the event? No, not necessarily the, the blueprint. I think I think for us was was just to engage with them on on best practice, right? Uh, because because I mean you, you cannot compare or the New Zealand and, and Australia to, to us as, as a country. Like for instance, in, in New Zealand, they've got a, the smallest population ever. So we can't go with that model. Uh, so we just needed to learn from them. What, what, are, the, what are the things that you did? So, so learn best, best practice from them. Uh, but, 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 you know, we had to design our own, our own blueprint uh, based on what is currently happening in the country and also take a, a, a few lessons, you know, from, from how the PSO, because the PSL one was was a huge success. I mean, if it, none of us had had of any cases that came out of out of their own bubble, so we needed to learn from them and say, how did you do it? What did you do? What can we learn from you? What can we perfect? What were some of your challenges? How then do we, you know, um, improve on, on your challenges? How then do we, you know, adopt the things that you did right? So, so I think for us, it was it was more, of, you know, how then do we learn from other people, mm. but but also designing our own blueprint. No, that's 100% correct. Uh, now, Bloemfontein was chosen as the bio-bubble destination for the event. What factors mm. motivated choosing Mangaung Indoor Sports Centre as the ideal destination for the event? Um, there are a couple of uh, reasons why, why, why Mangaung was chosen as, as a destination of choice. Uh, one, the one being that it's central um, for, for everyone. So, so the people that are coming from Gauteng, from Western Cape, Eastern Cape, uh, KZN, um, it, it's almost you know, the most central place or the most central venue that all of us could, could, could meet at. Because if you remember, when you got approved at level two, flights were not even allowed at the time. So everybody would would, 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 have, uh, would, would be needed to drive up to, to, to Bloemfontein or drive down to Bloemfontein, depending on where they're coming from. So, so there was the, there was the first reason that was a central place. Secondly, um, the other reason was that, you know, uh, the free state uh, is one of the two successful provinces that we have uh, from a netball point of view, because they have played and they, they've won the, the TNL three times back to back, and then they've been at five finals, if not six finals. So, so they are one of the mo- one of our most successful teams. Um, they are they are joined together with 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 Houting Jaguars, you know, having it won the, the title three times apiece. Okay. So, so that was the second thing, and also it was just a, a token of appreciation for the wonderful work that they've done uh, in in really ensuring that they're helping netball South Africa grow the sport. Okay. Um, obviously, uh, last month uh, the SS squad was named right for the Fiji for Fiji next year. What's what, what's happening in Fiji? Yeah, so 
um, we have the under 21 youth world champs. So, so this is the under 21 netball world cup, you know, for, for love of a better word. So it was supposed to initially happen this year. Beginning of 2021, but due to COVID, um, it had to be, no, 2021, 2021, okay. next year. Okay. It was supposed to happen early next year. Um, and then due to COVID, you know, the event had to be moved out. So it, it was initially postponed indefinitely. And then we got the dates uh, towards the uh, end of September that the tournament will happen the first the first two weeks of December um, in, in 2021. So so now, because the, the, the under 21 have not had any national uh, games happening yes, throughout the yes. whole year. Um, so so then, then the coach then decided to have a training camp uh, in Pretoria uh, three weeks ago. Yes. And she then chose a pool of players that she wants to look at as part of building to, as part of building a team that will then participate at next next year's World Cup. And and after selecting this team, we then decided let us include the under twenty one as part of the TNL yes. uh, teams. Good so thing. you'll then have you'll have the an SA under twenty one squad. It's not a it's not a team. It's still a squad. It's it's, it's still you know a, a, a pool of players that the coach will be to assess. So that squad will then participate in in, in, the, in the in the in the TNL, but they're not competing. They're just participating for game time and for the coach to to try the combinations and, and assess a couple of players. And then you know um, the, she will then announce a, a the final team leading up to you know next year's World Cup. Ah, on on the final team, um, the bulk of the play, bulk of the players. Where do they uh, come from? Do you guys take them from from university um, teams or or, or um, the the, 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 um, the um, what do you call domestic competitions? Um, so, so it's a combination of both, you know. So, so if you look at, at, at the current squads or the current teams that are participating in, 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 in the TNL, they have a majority of under 21 players, right? So, so the coach will then have a chance to assess other players over and above the ones that she had already chosen, you know, to go into uh, as part of the squad. And some of them are, are from are from universities as well. So because they're still below, because I mean, if you look at it, you're looking at about 18, 19, 20 year olds, you know, yes. that, that will be here. And, and, a, and a few 21-year-old uh, players because you don't want to run the risk of taking 21-year-old players who will not be 21 again next year because then then they don't qualify. Mm. So you want to you know take the 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 the, the, the down and say 18, 19, 20. Then you know that you've got a you know enough uh, buffer and depth um, to 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 really to really work with. Yeah. Um, now netball obviously is one of the key sports in SA, um, but lacks funding mm. from relevant stakeholders. How important is the upliftment of female sports, not only in SA but but worldwide? Um, look, I think you know historically and over the years, I mean, we've had discussions about how women's sport in general, not even it's not even an SA thing; it's a, it's a global thing yes. where women's sport is really you know perceived or taken as an afterthought, right? So um, you started seeing a difference in in, in the UK and in, in Sierra Leone um, and and a few African countries where they're saying. From now on, you're going to start paying men uh, the same amount of money that you're paying women. Mm. Um, and in South Africa, really, I think I think we are getting there. I mean, if, if, if you look at how netball has grown over the past three, four years, you realize that you know there's there's, there's been a great growth, uh, not only in, in 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 how many people are participating in the sport, but also mm. about how corporate South Africa is coming on board and saying we want to be a part of of, of this journey. Um, so I think women's sport is is growing in the country, and it's not only netball. You look at you look at what what the, the cricket ladies are doing. Um, mm. it's, I mean, they have had uh, the biggest number of players that are contractually uh, committed to, to, to other franchises 
on outside of our borders. You know, mm. you look at Banyana Banyana players. Uh, we've got six players that are playing in Spain uh, currently, and, and and others that are that are that are in different parts of the world. So you look at netball. I mean, for the first time um, in the history of netball, we've got out of out of out of our current uh, far, uh, pro tier national team, we've got about seven players out of twelve that are playing abroad. So so that shows you you know how how the sport is growing, and that that shows you how you know not only are we growing in numbers, but we're growing also in in, in, in the, the number of people that we're exporting to go play abroad. And they, they bring a lot of experience from, from, from playing for our franchises. We've got the likes of Telcom who have come on board and extended their, their relationship with Netball for another three years. You've got Spa that have always been there that have also decided they're going to stay a bit longer. You've got you know, other sponsors that have come on board and said, we want to be a part of your journey. We want to help you uh, grow the sport. And also, I mean, in South Africa, Netball is, is not a professional sport. We still see okay. as a as an elite, uh, I mean, as, as, a, as a semi-professional sport, okay. you know, and, 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 and the, the, the goal here is to tend the sport of professionals in the next year or two, so that come the World Cup, then we have a fully-fledged professional sport that's been played in the country. That will then enable us to, you know, to have a podium finish in 2023 when we're hosting the World Cup. 100%. Now, I was just going to ask you on a, per, a, per, a personal note, a personal question. Yeah. Uh, do you think yeah. male and female athletes should be paid the same? Um, um, amount of money representing the, the 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 same sporting code. A perfect example, obviously, would be cricket. Male and females playing uh, cricket, and obviously, as well, it's a professional sport. What are your thoughts on on, on this question? I, absolutely, I think I think you know we, we need to get to a point where we have to start addressing the 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 pay uh, gap in 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 in, women, in sport in general. Mm. Um, so, when men and women play the same amount of overs in cricket. They still play the same amount of minutes in, in, yeah, in soccer. Yeah. Um, they still, you know, so so nothing is different. So the rules of the rules of the game are still the same across the board. So why have same rules and same 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 everything except the same amount of money that you pay mm. people? So I think for me, I think we need to have a benchmark that says every professional footballer, regardless of gender, has to earn an extra, extra amount of money, and then 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 the same should go for for for. Even even netball, where we're saying, you know, the benchmark for netball women is this much. As the as the sport grows and becomes professional, and we, we then start having male playing netball, let's have the same conversation and say, yeah. how then? How about we then start paying people equally for, for doing this? Because essentially they're doing the same amount of work, right? So they're training together. They and and I think women work twice as hard as men uh, for a fraction of what men are in. It. Yeah, but uh, it's very weird coming from a man, but it, but yeah. it it's the truth. Yeah, but now think about it this way. Don't you think maybe perhaps that this the that packing power or, or fans or the people behind that specific sport obviously migrating towards the one gender or let me say males rather than females. Could that be a factor of, of that um, um pay gap? I think partly yes, but, but also I mean when when you think about what's been happening in the past, uh, we've never had women play football before, yeah. we've never had played with men. Uh, we've never had women playing cricket before. We've always had women playing netball. Uh, we've always had women running. We've always had women doing uh, athletic stuff. Um, so, so I don't think it's an issue of because there's a there's a bigger uh, congregation of people uh, in in male sport than than women sport. And I think for, the onus is, is upon all of us to ensure that we change that narrative, you know, and say when Banyana Banyana is playing, can you all flock to the stadium and, and support them? When the, when 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 the, the cricket girls are playing, can we all go and support them? When netball is playing, can we go all, all support them? And I think this 
this will then, you know, it, it, will, it will take federations, you know, to go out and ensure that they, once they promote the sport, they market the sport properly and, and they get the right support that they need uh, from corporate South Africa, you know, to ensure that ultimately, we, we know we, are, we address all of these, 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 these um, pay parities and all of those things. Mm. Now, talking about male and female, female athletes participating in the same sports, mm. There's also a netball league for men. Uh, can you tell us more about the history of netball for men in <laughs> SA and how it all started? Yeah, look, I think you know there's, there's always been a, um, an interest from, from 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 male, you know, to participate in, in netball because they see they see it as a as a sport that they'd like to participate in. And I think it's been running for, for a couple of years now. I don't have the exact amount of years that it's been running, but every year we have the the uh, male uh, national champs. So where where you know because within netball you've got you've got provinces and the provinces are different regions. So you've got men come from these different regions uh, participating at a district level and then eventually coming through from a provincial level to go uh, uh, represent their own different uh, provinces. And out of that, a male national team gets selected, mm-hmm. and then we have uh, what is called the President Twelve. So that's the the, the men's national team. Um, that participate in, in, in their tournaments and they, they also play against uh, some of our girls every now and then you know so and you'd be surprised at how how good they've become over the years i mean i was i think I, last year september when i attended their one of their tournaments and i was i was thoroughly impressed and i felt very unfit and heavy by just looking at them you know so that's mm-hmm. that so they're, they're very competitive and, and it's there and i think this is just also to you know to to create a social cohesion number one and also to encourage people to you know, participate in the sport and also help us grow the sport in 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 in, in general. Interesting. Now, going back to what I mentioned previously about funding and upliftment of female sports, what processes mm. or plans have been put in place uh, by Netball SA for the development of underprivileged communities wanting to pursue a career in Netball? Yeah. So, I mean, um, COVID happened this year, and I think there were a lot of plans that were supposed to be you know unveiled and unfold that were supposed to unfold with regard to the development of the of the game. Um, so, so we, I think, as, fingers crossed that everything goes according to plan. But as of next year, we'll then start, you know, rolling out um, programs and activities in, in in rural South Africa to ensure that one, not only do we unearth uh, great players, but we also unearth coaches and umpires and technical officials. Um, so, with with the backing of our of our sponsors, you know, we end the process of ensuring that we then start growing the sport at grassroots level and not only focus on high performance, but but the question is, how then do we go to uh, rural Eastern Cape and start identifying, you know, players that 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 could be the next volume Somi of, of tomorrow, mm. could be the next Kaiser Chawan of tomorrow. So how then do we go back to townships and start and 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 unearthing these 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 netball players? How then do we go and start unearthing these these empires and then you know identifying coaches that that can help us grow the sport? So so there's a lot of plans that are currently you know that that are currently being being done. You know to ensure that. When, when we look at 2023, we then say, looking back, we can then say we've been able to identify an X amount of players, you know, through our development program. We've been able to unearth uh, an X amount of, of coaches through 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 this this program, and and also how then do we then build build on that going forward? So so that I can I can very much assure you that you know there's there's progress and there's plans that are that are currently in motion with regards to to all of that. Had COVID not happened, we, we would have seen a lot of. Um, schools netball taking place in uh, previously disadvantaged area. 
No, that's that's good to to hear coming from Netball SA. Um, now Netball SA, let me say the spa spa protests have taken great strides in becoming a household name in, in the world of netball uh, since doing well um, in the world champs. Uh, what recognition or incentives has the organization received from the government and other relevant stakeholders? Um, you know, Nathan, to be very honest with you, I think we, we've received a lot of support from one, all of our sponsors, and secondly, from, from, from government. Mm. Um, so historically, you've had players going to play the World Cup and, and earning very little money. Mm. Um, money that, that we can't even mention because it's a shame how much yeah. people end. But last year, we saw almost all of our players getting close to half a million rand. Uh, you know, so based on the work that they, that they did at the 2019 World Cup. And this is the money that come that came from from different spheres. I mean, it came from government, it came from our sponsors, and everybody else who was involved in in, in taking the team to to the World Cup. So, so I mean, so so there's been a lot of support. I think no one can sit here and, and say there hasn't been any support. I think the government, private sector, or our sponsors specifically have really you know come on board and, and really assisted us in one rewarding the players that, that did very well, and also saying how then do we build on those momentum? Because it's one thing to go to the World Cup and and finish fourth in the world, and then and then and then then you regress from there. So the, the the challenge has always been: now that we did so well, what else do we need to do so that we ensure that we finish better than we did at the next World Cup? Now, mm. uh, a last question um, for everyone who wants to watch. Uh, obviously, due to COVID nineteen, people can't really attend mm. the event at the stadium or the indoor sports center. Where can people watch mm. the event? Yeah, so unfortunately, we kind of spectators. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how all of this is going to pan out. Mm. Uh, however, um, so all of our matches, so we've got six matches that will be played every single day uh, between the 14th and the 27th of uh, October. Uh, our partner, Supersport, will then be, be broadcasting three out of six matches a day. So three, five, and seven matches will be live on Supersport channel 209, which is uh, Supersport Variety 4. Mm. And then the matches that are happening between nine o'clock in the morning, eleven o'clock, and uh, and lunchtime, which is one o'clock, will be live streamed on our um, Facebook uh, platform, which is Network South Africa. So you can get get all of all of our matches on uh, on, on on our platforms as well as on Super Sport Channel Two Zero Nine. All right. Um, uh, so obviously, variety, variety four and uh, and Facebook Netball SA. Uh, Nusi, that's all Correct. the time we have uh, for this segment on today's show. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Benchwarmer. And we wish all the participants best of luck. Thank you very much for inviting us. It's been an, it's been a pleasure. And hope uh, hopefully this is not the, the first and the last time we come through. No, 100%. Thanks so much, Nusi. Absolute pleasure, bud. That was Nusi Ghazi, Communications Manager of Netball SA. It's exciting to see so many sports restarting their respective leagues. But anyway, after the break, we have our final interview uh, with the social media entertainer, Kuki Songoyi. Uh, so do stay tuned on The Benchwoman with Gorgs. Hi, I'm Figile Mbalula, commonly known as uh, Razmataz Mbawizi Fligile on Flick. You are listening to Madiba's radio. Keep rocking the Metro Nana. Let's go. You're listening to Madiba's radio. Opening up the ways for you to be heard. How's the cookie? How are you doing, bud? Oh, strong this Saturday. Very good, eh? I mean, uh, last too short to complain. 
How are you doing? Um, all is well. Um, can I call you Cookie or Kushi? How do you like? Uh, how, to, how do you like to be called? Uh, by your government name or by your nickname? Uh, yeah, uh, Cooks is perfect. Most most everybody calls me Cooks, so yeah, we can stick with Cooks. All right, Cooks. Uh, so tell us a bit about yourself. Where you come from? What do you do at the moment? Uh, I'm from PE. Uh, born in East London. From PE. Uh, been in PE for the last 20 years. Uh, played a bit of ruggers. And then now, uh, yeah, most uh, mostly coach ruggers now. That's my that's my gig. That's my passion. Just coaching ruggers. But yeah, that's what I do. 100%. So obviously we're going to be chatting about last weekend's game between the Green uh, versus the Gold side. Uh, first, it cooks. Uh, what were your thoughts about yeah. the teams um, before the game, the the lineup? Ah, oh, for me, uh, the first thing I saw uh, the Green squad uh, just uh, jumped just jumped out straight away. I think uh, the Green sort of stacked. I mean, any side of Dwayne from Millionaires, I think is a uh, I think it's, it's it's a good way to start. I mean, if I if I if I'd have a draft, he would he'll be my first pick. I think he's the most important player we have. Love Big Dwayne. I think obviously you add Lukanyo Arm, you adding you adding Elton Yankees. I think um, the Green Squad just it just stood out. I think uh, the White Squad. Yeah, I mean, the serious talent, a lot of youngsters. But I just thought um, initially, I thought the Green Squad just had a little bit extra flavour. No, but uh, you, I think you got a bit confused there. Uh, Lukanyo Arm was playing for the for the White Team, not I mean the Green Team, not. The oh, group. sorry. Luka- no, it's it's all good. Um, now oh, this... sorry, that's Milani. Sorry, that's Milani. Sorry. All right. So this is uh, the second official week of rugby. How do you compare the performance of last weekend uh, to uh, week two of the New Zealand Super Rugby? I think uh, I think it's the New Zealand Super Rugby. First of all, the standard of rugby they were playing was out of this world, and I thought they they came out of the blocks firing. And I, I thought a lot of the sides, us the African players, a lot of rust. And I think we'll only we'll only be able to compare. With the New Zealand, with the New Zealand competition, probably in about week four, week five of Super Rugby unlocked. I, I just, I just thought there's so much rust, and you could see that in the game plan last week. You, you can see the structure of the game wasn't great, and um, I just think, yeah, I just think it doesn't help that they played. Obviously, not for their franchises, that didn't help. That didn't help matters. And I just thought, um, I just thought, obviously, maybe the Sharks, for example, they played for their own teams it could have been better, but obviously, different coaches, different week, different players, that, that didn't help at all. Now, from the youngsters who were um, playing, who are your standard performers and why? Of the youngsters, I thought Gianni Lombard was outstanding last week. I thought um, his willingness to run. I love, I love, I love players that just uh, just want to get the ball and run. I think he he, he wasn't at all of all of the of the occasion. He he rose to the occasion. I thought he was fantastic. Um, really loved, really loved Yao Ping as well. Just mm. just willingness to work. Obviously, he was playing to get a gig, and thank goodness he's going to the Sharks. Just willingness to work, I was very impressed with him. Really did enjoy him, and then yeah, I think those those were two standout youngsters. Obviously, now with Hundred Pollard out of uh, for the rest of the season, do you think Alton is the man for the job, uh, playing the pivotal role for the box? Hundred percent, one hundred percent. I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to put my house on the line, Alton Young, because I'm I'm a. Uh, I believe I, I believe in Alton Young. Yes, I think um, I believe in his talent. I believe in. And I believe in the rugby he's playing at the moment. I just think he he might be a slight X factor in terms when we play against the Lions. I think because offering something different. I know obviously Rassi has built his game plan around Faf and Vili, and Andre Pollard doesn't do much of the creative the creating. I just think with Alton Yankees there, he just brings such a different dimension where I think we can offer something different, especially against the Lions, who are going to try and match us up front physically. And I think with Alton Yankees, we have we have options of him. Just being able to put a players into space, just being able to 
unlock different other options. So I think he's the right man to go, the right, the right man for the job. Yeah, thanks, uh, Cooks, for um, for the post-match wrap. Uh, now onto the personal note. What's next for you? you? Obviously, seem to be entertaining the crowds on the social media. Uh, for me, it's you know, basically just turning uh, out more videos. That's that's yeah. that's my plan. You know, just gonna just keep keep the content flowing. I think um, I found a good market for it. I think people do enjoy it. So yeah. for me, it's just to keep on producing the videos. I think obviously I've got a whole bunch of ideas that are. That I've been meaning to do. Obviously, there's one now. I need to do a post-match interview after getting a haircut. I think um, <laughs> that's that's what's next in line. I think that's going to be. I think my barber needs a shout out, so I'll be doing a, a post-match haircut so this, video soon. Yeah. So this could be a preview for that. Yeah, <laughs> said, Yeah, I think uh, I need to give my barber some love because you know I think um, it's, it's it's a you, you know it is trying to build right, find the right barber and, and believing and finding that trust. I think it's I think it's it's very key. I think I've managed to find that and. I found consistency, consistency in my barber, so very happy. So that's my next video, and then I've got, um, I've got a post-match losing your Tupperware at school. Music. That's going to come as well. <laughs> so I've got a few things, I've got a few things up my sleeve. Where do you come up with all these ideas, bro? Surely, surely you're not, you're not the the main guy for, to come up with these ideas. Where do the <laughs> ideas come from? I just, it's just life experiences. I just think it's more like you know, it started off as, you know, it started off as just general jokes. You know, ripping off, you know, post-match interviews from yeah. from sportsmen and ripping off coaches, you know, because and how cliched the answers used to be. So I thought I'd figure out, let me take those sports situations and put them into real life. So like now, obviously, so like what I try to do is I try and think of real life situations. And obviously, like, you know, I get a haircut all the time. I've lost Tupperware before. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've done a, a post-match conference after a parent gives a hiding because I mean, I've gotten those <laughs> before. I've got... Mm. You know, yeah, so I saw that. So that, so was, that, was the, that was the last one, the, the one giving the, the uh, getting a hiding. Yeah, yeah, the one with the parents give a hiding. But um, what I want to do is, you know, obviously, obviously create a series where I can do a post match with the parents giving a hiding, a post match of the kids receiving the hiding, and also yeah. a post match <laughs> as the sibling watching your watching your sibling get a hiding. So there's, there's many angles I want to I try and explore in that. No, that's 100. percent I think that obviously you are entertaining the crowds. I mean, I'm I'm lacking myself. I mean, <laughs> even even my family members are laughing as well. But now outside yeah, the now, now outside the Springbok setup, um, back to rugby. What's your take on the on the way the Kings franchise was handled? Oh no, for me, listen. I think that's probably the saddest thing. It's 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 actually heartbreaking. Sad mm-hmm. doesn't even begin to describe because you know, being from PE, having having also played for the Kings before before I started teaching, it is it's, it, it 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 hurts. It stings because you know. You, we want to have rugby in the Eastern Cape and in Port Elizabeth. I mean, we we hungry for it, mm-hmm. and you can see, and we and we have the players, and we, I mean, you, you can remember the good times when 2013 when Super Rugby was here, mm-hmm. 2015, 2016, 17 when Super Rugby was here, when we beat the Sharks at the stadium. Mm-hmm. So there are good times, and I think it's so frustrating that we just can't get it right. It's so frustrating that greed and as greed and corruption is just messing up what I think is a beautiful franchise. We have everything here, beautiful stadium. Great players, the fans buy into it, and it, it, it's actually it's, it's a travesty because it's the players that have been affected. I mean, I, I remember the, the, the first time they had the, the pay cuts and all of that back in 2015. I mean, and it's even worse now. So I know the pain. I know it's I know the struggle of not not knowing where your next paycheck is coming from and trying to work hard, but you don't know if you're going to get paid this month. You don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, and 
some of them can't even play super rugby a lot now, which is the most frustrating thing. They can't do the thing they love because of issues that's out of their control. Mm. Now, Cooks, uh, 7th of November is a month away. Uh, the players uh, having to be quarantined for a week minimum, leaving the players roughly three to four games prior to the rugby championships. Do you think they'll be ready in terms of game time uh, for the rugby championships? No. I think, I think they might be slightly undercooked. I think obviously you can't replace game time. That's that's the number one prep. I think so. Being in quarantine for three weeks is not going. It's, it's not going to for two weeks. It's not going to be ideal. But I do think that we have enough good players for the Springboks. I think not to write them off. I think a lot of people writing them off. I think we will definitely spring a, a surprise or two. I mean, also we're still the world champions. I think I think people forget that. <laughs> I think people forget the fact that we're still the world champions. So mm. and like we and we have lots of players, lots of depth. So yeah, I think we'll be good. All right, all right. Uh, thanks, Cooks. Uh, lastly, where can people catch you on the socials and listen listen um, for your, so for your, your videos? So, on, so first of all, I'm on someone so I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, my handle is obviously Kutle underscore Cookie, and then um, I'm on Twitter, the same handle. Sorry, Cookie underscore Kutle. So that's you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, and then yeah, Facebook Kutle Songosi. That's where I post my videos, mm. and then I'm also on TikTok as well. Same cookie, cookie underscore cookie. That's got one handle for each, for each one. That's where I post all my videos, and, and especially on TikTok, there's a lot more videos I have, mm. and on Instagram, I've got plenty of videos in there. Which yeah, so that's that's where you can, people can find me. All right, Cooks, brother, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, carry on entertaining the crowds. I'm pretty sure a lot of people need their positive energy, especially how 2020 <laughs> has been going. Uh, thanks, bro. Listen, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, that was Cook's uh, social media entertainer and rugby coach. We'll be back after the break. Do stay tuned on Madiba's radio, the best youth station in the Bay. Alright, that brings us to the end of the 12th episode of the Benchwoman on Madiba's radio. Uh, just another reminder that there will be sporting action galore this weekend uh, from Formula 1 to EPL in football and rugby with the Bedlisor Cup action just in a few. So that concludes this week's show on the Benchwoman. Do you catch us same time, same place on Friday uh, between 5 and 6 on Madiba's radio, the best youth station in the Bay.